0: Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Pearls from My Mom, the podcast. I'm your host, Jessie, and today I'm here with Leah Ricoeur, and she's of littlelegacies.org. So hi, Leah. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on here. I'm really excited to have you share your story with us. So let's just go ahead and jump into it right now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your mom? Sure. Um, my
1: mom was the youngest of eight um, and her her oldest sibling was, um, gosh, I think about like 40 years older than she was. So within her own family, she had this this huge dynamic of her older siblings who were raised during the Depression, and then she, who was kind of raised more or less like an older, like a an only child because her her siblings were so much older than she was. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. Did you say forty? Yeah, I, because my my grandma. Well, it may have been closer to 36, 33 years. Um, my grandma had her first child when she was fifteen or sixteen, and then she had her last child when she was forty-five.
0: Oh my gosh! That yeah, so that's, that's thirty the years. I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she was a baby machine. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to clarify. Um, I thought that's what I
1: heard. Yeah. No. I think when you have large families, you just get that really broad age range. Um, so her name was Sandy Williams. Growing up, and then um, as she um, after she was married and had me her her married name was Sandy Ricoeur so there was definitely people who who remembered her as Sandy Williams and definitely people that remembered her as Sandy Ricoeur um and I just remember like being in grocery stores and having people like bump into us and calling her out by her full name and I don't know that just really resonates with hearing people like using her full name because that's just not that's not anything I hear anymore Mm -hmm. um so my mom was actually one of the first women to go to the business school up at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then upon graduating, she actually went into marketing for banks. And, and she moved out east, where she met and married my father. Um, and soon thereafter, um, she, just, she just knew that that relationship was going to be coming to an end, and that she would ultimately be raising me by herself. So she moved back to Colorado, where all of her family was, um, and, and just kind of rebuilt her life as a single mom. Um, she she kind of, as part of that, as deciding I'm raising this child by myself and I'm going to put this child first. She ultimately gave up her her high demand marketing job and and ended up working as an administrative assistant for a local television station, mm-hmm. uh, which was great because she had a lot of flexibility with her schedule. And even though she was a single working mom, um, I just always remember her being there for me. Um, even from the time that that I was a little girl, I remember her coming to like my concerts in elementary school and and um, watching her walk through the door and just that feeling that I, I would just look at her and think she was the most beautiful woman on the planet, which I think all children think about their parents, like their mothers and their fathers. They just think that they're so beautiful. And that's I just always like that's one of the images of my mom that just burns in my mind as as, as a really young child, just thinking how beautiful she was and how much I loved her, and just this overwhelming love I had for my mom as a child.
0: Oh yeah, that's incredible. Um, it sounds like she was like an, an amazing role model for you. Like, you know, for any woman to look up to, somebody that's strong and and made good choices and
1: I think so for sure. I think she um I always always she showed me that she was strong and I think um she always took time to spend time with me and and to go do things and and we just communicated a lot when I was a child and um so I think that's why um when I was 7 years old she was diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's like the ultimate in showing your family your strength is is how you behave when you're in the absolute worst time of your life um so the she was very young I mean I was seven, so she was um, she was probably thirty seven years old at the time when she was diagnosed so because she was so young uh the doctors kind of ignored the fact that she was feeling a lump and having pain um so by the time she got a a second opinion um and actually started uh, her her treatment at that point the cancer was very very it was so aggressive because she was younger and it had had gone so far that they told her to make her arrangements for her estate and um, to figure out who would care for me um, The interesting thing is the whole time all of that was going on I had no idea how sick she was um, I knew she was in the hospital I knew that she had had surgery I knew she was taking medicine I knew that she was going through chemotherapy but she never really, for starters, she never told me that they told her she was going to die. Um, and she never, I, I guess she just, I guess she didn't want that weight on me as a child. So as far as I was concerned, she was, she was sick, but she was going to get better. Um, the other interesting thing about my mom getting cancer at such a young age is there were not a lot of women, or at least there, were, there was not a lot of public talk about women getting cancer, breast cancer so young. Mm-hmm. Um, so she actually ended up filing a lawsuit against her practitioners and winning her case and then becoming an advocate for ensuring that uh, younger women who were her who were um, had the potential to have cancer even those who didn't were being properly screened and that their concerns about lumps that they were finding were being taken serious and and so she actually became somebody who was really well known for um, changing how how insurance companies and doctors were um, were basically treating women who were coming forward saying, hey, I think I might have cancer. Um, So in the midst of already going through this massive struggle, she proved that she was so strong, she was even going to look out for other women to make sure nobody was ignored and told that they couldn't possibly have cancer. And um, just being an advocate for people, both who she knew and people she didn't know at all
0: wow that's phenomenal it's um yeah. one of the things that always resonated with me and even to one of the reasons i started this podcast it's robin roberts who said make your mess your message and it sounds like you know she couldn't undo what had happened to her but she wanted to help prevent that in other people and that's a really selfless and amazing thing to do while you're trying to fight you know Abs- fight for your absolutely. life essentially
1: yes absolutely agree um, and i think when you look at anybody who's doing a career or choosing a path that's
0: somewhat selfless I think they've all been through some massive struggles Mm -hmm. um
1: it's the beauty of the human condition
0: (laughs) for sure we're we're resilient and we you know like but uh but the the fact that she wanted to help others I think is amazing and that yes speaks a lot to her personality
1: um so I didn't actually lose my mom when I was seven years old. She, her cancer went into remission. Um, she was determined that she was actually going to raise me, that she was not going to leave me real, with a relative. And um, and so there was kind of this back and forth as I was growing up where when she was well, she was the mother and the caretaker. And when she wasn't well, um I would kind of adopt that role she would never ask me to but like I wanted I wanted to care for her I wanted to make sure she was taking her pills and I was I wanted to bring her a trash can so that when she was going through chemo and sick that she had some place to to throw up and um there was just this this constant dance between us where um without having any um regret for having to look after her it's just something I wanted to do like I wanted to look after the woman that had always been such a wonderful mother to me even from a very very young age um she ultimately passed away when I was 21 years old um just about uh, a semester before I had finished college and um and then after she died I just I kind of felt like I was set off to sail to sea without any oars and without a sail and I just didn't feel like i I had any roots and um didn't i i just i was raised as an only child, so not having her, I really kind of lost any kind of connection that I had to my childhood um so it's been it's been an interesting journey since I lost her now gosh um what's well, two thousand seventeen so seventeen or eighteen years ago now
0: mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds like part of me thinks so you were seven when you found out and so that kind of I mean I never had to deal with anything like that when I was that age you know I just got to be like a regular kid and it sounds like it would have you know kind of forced you to have to grow up kind of fast but at the same time I don't know did you cherish your relationship with your mom more in your teen years once she started to get better I mean you had her 14 years after her
1: um well it's interesting because, you know, like there's always this really interesting dynamic between mothers and daughters mm-hmm. where um, they're very, very close when they're younger. And then when the daughter starts to hit her teen years, or I guess now it's even tweens is when all the pushback starts. Oh, yeah. But when they start to hit that that age of independence and wanting to establish that they're their own person, even though there was this frag- fragility of my mom's lifeline, there was still that dynamic between us. Like I was still establishing my independence, I was still trying to become my own person. Um and then, you know, the mother's role of like holding tight, not quite sure if her daughter is ready to become that person or to be independent like that. And just that that um butting of heads going through the time. Like we we still went through that. Um the thing the thing that kind of beat me up at first was because we were so fresh off of that cycle in our relationship when she passed away and we really didn't get that opportunity to come full circle to where women really become closer friends with their mothers and they start to understand why their mothers make the decisions that they do. And and then becoming a mother myself, um, in a lot of ways, I almost understand my mother better now than I ever did when she was alive Um, and just respecting the choices that she made and um, the ways that she responded to me. And I I just understand her so much better now than I ever could have uh, losing her at 21 years old. So In a lot of ways, we've still had that full cycle of understanding and I've still come full circle to become closer to my mom. It just happened after she passed away.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, and the fact that you mentioned, you know, now that you're um, a parent yourself, you can kind of see where she was coming from. And I think that, I mean, there are some days where I'm parenting my kids and I'm like, how did my mom... Like stay sane through all of this. Can't <laughs> totally. even not that my kids are you know monsters or anything, but you know there there are times where everything just kind of gets crazy, so yes. um, I can kind of see that so you you became a mom after you lost your mom, i guess
1: I did i um so I graduated from college uh, a few months after I lost my mom um and then. I worked here in Colorado for a year. I actually um, had a degree in, in art history. So I was working in art galleries and um, September 11th hit. And um, I was working in the mountains of Colorado where there's lots of tourism and there just was no tourism. <laughs> <laughs> nobody was flying, nobody was traveling. Um, so I ended up moving to Los Angeles for 13 years where I met my now ex-husband and I had my children. And um, And then just about four years ago, moved back to Colorado with my children. So, um, there's been a lot of, a lot of life changes since my mom passed away. There's been graduating college, which, um, every time there's a big life change, good or bad, regardless of how old I get, there's still this feeling of God, I wish my mom were here. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, graduating college, God, I wish she was there. Um, moving to Los Angeles, I wish she could have been with me on that journey and, um, and, um, having career changes and, and meeting the man that I would ultimately marry and, 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 you know, getting married and not having my mom there and, um, having my first child and not having her there. I mean, it, it gets a little bit easier every year, but there's always this element that she's just missing from my life.
0: Oh, that, that makes total sense. And I don't know, like, so my mom's only been gone for two years. And so I haven't gone through like a whole lot of major changes since then. I mean, I I left my job and started a podcast and that's about it. So (laughs) I don't know if you have any, like, what did you do to deal with the major life changes? And then, you know, when that melancholy sets in, like, oh, I wish my mom was here. Like, what did you, did you do anything to honor her in those moments? Or did you try to pull her in somehow?
1: I feel like I definitely dealt with the grief by honoring her. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, at my wedding, um, in the wedding program, I wrote uh, a poem in the back of the, pro- in the back of the program for my mom, which um, was basically saying that uh, even though you're not here in body, in everything that I am and everything that I've become as a person, you are you are here, and you will always be here. And um, so, doing things like that in in my day-to-day life really helps me honor my mom and, and to deal with the grief as well. For for example, my daughter, she actually, um, her middle name is named after my mom. Um, and it's, speaking of my children, it's it's so amazing that even though my mom has been gone for so long and I haven't seen her face and heard her laugh in so long, that when my daughters are playing and laughing I'll catch glimpses of them that it, it just startles me completely. It just rocks me to my core because in that briefest second, when I'm looking at my child, I will see my mom as if she is sitting here breathing because she's, she like just in her looks and the personality and everything Like she, she is living through me and through my children. And, um, and sometimes it takes me back when I least expect it.
0: Oh, I can, I can see that. That's amazing. Like that's, um, that you can, that you can see her in yourself and your kids. And that's and that's the things that you do to honor her and, and remember. Her. I think that's incredible. So, I mean, why do you want to tell her story? Do you talk about her a lot? I guess, first of all, I, I should ask, do you, do you talk about her a lot with anybody?
1: You know, I actually really don't. Um, my my children will ask questions about her from time to time. And, um, and so I'll share stories about her and about her and I's relationship. I feel like there's not really... A big audience out there, which I'm sure you found starting your podcast, there's not a big audience out there of people who want to hear about loss. Um, I should rephrase, people who've not gone through loss don't typically care to hear about your loss or don't seem to quite understand it. So right. I guess it's more important, which um, I may have experienced more because I did lose my mom at such a young age that people just couldn't understand. Um, it has been really interesting that as I've grown older and and people that i know have lost their parents i seem to be one of the first people they come to and they're like wow i understand now
0: <laughs> totally i think um, it's mean, like i guess uh, do you mind having that like role or
1: not at all it's not at all because i feel like i can offer so much wisdom about like that really raw pain that you feel initially i can offer a lot of wisdom of like this is what it looks like 5 years out this is what it looks like 10 years out this is what it looks like 17 years out and maybe show them that, that life can go on in a really positive way.
0: Oh, I think that's amazing. Well, I'm yeah. super glad that you're there for people. And I think you're right. Like, you know, a lot of people, I don't, I would love to talk about my mom all the time, which is obviously why I started a, podcast, <laughs> a blog about it. Cause I, I, you know, the little tagline is sharing to keep the legacy alive. And what terrified me the most in the beginning was that you know if I don't talk about her she's not you know she doesn't exist anymore so like mm-hmm. I don't mind and I think it makes other people who like you said haven't gone through loss it makes them uncomfortable because they're like oh what do I say? you know like I don't know what to say about that I don't know you know I don't know if it makes them sad but I you know it makes me so happy to talk about her and to to kind of let her live on through the stories I tell and stuff so um
1: I think that makes right. that makes perfect sense and I think I I do kind of feel there is a little bit of a piece of um, the culture that we are in. Sometimes vulnerability can be perceived as weakness. And um, sometimes I think people think that they have to keep that stiff upper lip and they have to make sure that they look buttoned up and that they're staying strong. And um, so I think it's really beautiful to share the vulnerability of, of loss and how that feels. And definitely, definitely glad that, you've made the choice to do what you're doing that I, you know, that I want to share. And I think it's just really beneficial for everyone. Oh,
0: thank you. Well, I'm, I'm happy. I'm so happy that people want to share. So that's, you know, if, if anybody listening to this is helped by some things that we're saying, I think that that's an incredible, you know, thing feeling for me. And and that's why I do it. So how has it been for 17 years? I mean, I, you know, I know that there's no real, there is like a grief curve that like doesn't actually exist so how have, <laughs> how have the seven the last seventeen years been for you
1: I I feel like the first year was incredibly difficult um, the sense of loss was pretty overwhelming that first year mm-hmm. um, and I felt like it it gets a little bit less each year I felt like there was a really big break at the five year mark I felt like that's when I really felt like um, the really severe grief had ended and it just became pockets of grief here and there when when things would be said or things would happen or, um, the five-year mark, I remember very, very distinctly that that was a big change for me and how I was feeling the loss of my mom. Um, and then it, it, it was really interesting too, when I had children of my own, there was another kind of separation for the, for the grief. Cause you know, as I said, I see so much of my mom and my children, but not only that, but kind of rekindling the mother child relationship mm-hmm. Uh, which is something, you know, like you miss when you lose your mom. Um, And, and in a large way, having that again, obviously, it's different, because in this scenario, I then became the mother, but, but having children, and then having that really intimate, beautiful connection with a child, kind of helped heal a lot of the disconnect i had been feeling from losing my own mom. Um, And so, and, and so I feel like, five years was a big change. And then having, having my children, my children, it was um, very healing uh, from a standpoint of, of missing that connection.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's incredible. Now, where did you go for your mom advice? Like when you, because I know every time my kids, you know, my my kids were pretty little, um, you know, a couple of years ago when my mom was still around, but I was calling her all the time and saying, like, you know, Caden's got a fever, what do I do? Or, you know, so and so is coughing, like, what's happening? Yeah. How did you deal with that?
1: So I have a, a cousin that I'm actually really close to, and because my mom was the youngest of eight, when she was born, she was already an aunt. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my, my cousins were actually very similarly aged to my mom. Mm-hmm. So I have a cousin that I'm very close to, and the girls actually call her Nana. Um, and she has been an incredible support. In fact, I might even tear up just talking about her. She's been always there for me from the day that I lost my mom. There were so many times I would call or text her about my kids' fevers. How, like, when do you have to worry about the fever? What do you give them? I would send her pictures of my kids' rashes. <laughs> um, you know, and then going through a divorce, I once again lost that family unit that I had. I had built since losing my mom. I, I kind of refound that family unit once getting married, and then lost that family unit again. So, she was again just 100 support, 100 percent supportive and wonderful as i have grown through my divorce. And um, her love and support has just never wavered. So she's kind of been my my backup mama.
0: Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I have a family support and somebody that means so much to you. So I'm I'm really happy to hear that that's been been your experience. So. You know, it's been it's been a while. It's been 17 years. But do you remember the the pearl of wisdom that your mom gave you? That's just like the absolute best best piece of advice she's ever given you, or is or maybe it's a way that she lived her life or
1: I think that's probably more true. Um, because I don't know that I remember day to day the specific things that my mom used to say. Um, but I do remember that the way that she lived her life taught me so much. My mom was a survivor. She she survived getting divorced and raising a child by herself. She survived cancer the first time. Um, she always lived her life like every day mattered, like every day was important. She she lived her life that taught me that other people also matter and that there is beautiful things about everybody, regardless of what they look like on the outside. Um, and I think what she she ultimately taught me was that the meaning of life is connecting with other people. And living your life in a way that you can lessen the suffering in other people because that's the way that she lived. She was always she was always very aware of how other people were feeling, the struggles they were going through, and how she could help those people. Um and so I think that's the wisdom that she taught me is she she taught me that that that's what life is really all about.
0: I think that's amazing. That's that's a that's profound, that's profound, you know (laughs) way to a perfect way to live your life. So how has that shaped your life? I mean, like do you feel like that's, that's guided you and everything that you've done since you were 21?
1: I think so. I've, I'm definitely a very empathetic person and, um, and all the choices that I make and all the things I do. The first thing I always think about is how is this all going to impact the people around me and and maybe even the, the people not directly connected to me. Um, it's definitely, um, kind of sent me on a, a spiritual journey, um, so there's a lot of elements from a lot of different religions that, that I feel have um, impacted my life and helped me to make the choices that I that I have. Um, there's there's definitely times that, that the empathy gift that she gave me hasn't felt like a gift. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the wanting to find the beauty in other people hasn't always um, been a beautiful thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get that. Um, there's definitely been a lot of times where, where pe- people have ultimately ended up really hurting me because I wanted to see the good in them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think the benefits from still continuing to want to do the right thing and, and to want to help other people and to want to find the beauty in others, I think the gifts and the good moments of that outweigh any of the negative aspects of that. Um, and that it's been kind of a long journey in discovering what what I feel my life purpose is, but ultimately it has led me to where I am now, where I've, I've started a nonprofit. Um where, where every day I get to help people sort with what they're going through and, and what they're feeling and, and try to teach them um, how their story, ultimately how their story is important, not only to them, but maybe to other people and, and can help. Heal their minds to a degree. Um, more specifically, children. I work
0: with children to help them do that. Mm-hmm. And you, and do you feel like you were? I mean, that's obviously what you feel like your calling is. Do you feel like your okay. mom? You know, the way that she taught you that that took you there, or do you feel like she's influenced that? Absolutely, because um,
1: by working with uh, so, what my nonprofit is is I work with children who have terminal illness or life-altering conditions, and and I help them to write about themselves. Um, in a non-therapy capacity. I'm not giving them prompts to specifically ask them to write about what they're going through. I'm just helping them find escape through writing. And um, oftentimes it turns back around to themselves. But but ultimately what I'm teaching them is that even as children, their voice and what they have to say is very important. And my mom taught me every single day that she was alive, that what I had to say to her was important. Um, and that what I was feeling was important. And that even though I was a small person, I was still a person. <laughs> so absolutely where I am today is, is a d- direct result of, of of how my mom taught me and how my mom
0: treated me as a person. Well, that's really, that's a powerful thing to hear you say that you felt like, you know, she had always led you to believe that what you have to say is important. Because I know, you know, as children, you know, like you get as a parent, you get wrapped up in doing things, right? And you get, you know, you're you're trying to cook dinner and then my and my daughter is a talker. She talks constantly. (laughs) There are a lot of times where I'm like not giving her my full and I feel like sometimes maybe she doesn't feel like what she's saying is important. So that kind of hits me in the in the feels like, oh maybe I you know, I I want her to to get that feeling too. So I'm gonna do my try to make her make her felt and make her heard. Um, and so, I mean, it sounds like in the line of work you've chosen that that you would have to be decent at dealing with grief um, because you work with, you said you work with terminally ill children sometimes.
1: Yes. Yes. And then also just, um, you know, grief has all different levels. So sometimes it's even just, you know, like children who have diabetes, they, um, their whole life is altered by the fact that they've been diagnosed with a disease that many, many people live with, but it's still very life altering and and can kind of really shake you. So, um, so grief comes in all, all different forms from all different reasons, but um, it's definitely, it's definitely one of those things where I think that that helping the children to write about it, it's, um, it's really empowering them, which I think is important.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, it sounds like you'd be a perfect person to ask this question. Do you have advice for people that are going through grief or that you know, like whether they're two years or 20 years out, you know, do you have anything that you can say that you think would help somebody through the grieving process? I know that's like a heavy load to bear. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know. Like I'm totally thinking of like the, one of the Monty Pythons where the, everybody's on the crucifix is saying like, always look on the bright side of life, but no, <laughs> Um, I think I, I'm, I've definitely worked very, very hard to be the positive, optimistic person that I am now, but it didn't come without having dark moments and dealing with grief. And I think it's very important that if you're feeling sad, you just got to feel that because I feel that part of experiencing the grief and experiencing, experiencing the pain is also part of what heals you. It's part of what helps you take that next step towards getting past it. Um, Pushing it away and not feeling it, um, It's just gonna catch back up with you. So I, I would say if there's anything that you have to do, you have to face your grief and you have to feel it. Um, and And in the middle of that dark, dark time when you're hurting, you, you do know that that kind of pain will always be there, but it's it becomes softer. it becomes easier. It, you you understand it a lot better. Um, it almost becomes more of um, a friend the grief almost becomes a friend in lieu of your loved one being missing more than um, more than it becomes that heartache and that pain. So um, embrace, embrace the grief because it's actually there to help
0: you. Oh, for sure. Did you ever do anything like journaling? Or, I mean, I know you're a writer, so. <laughs> yes,
1: I did. And which kind of led me to what I do with my nonprofit. I did a lot, so much writing, <laughs> a lot of journaling. I am also a writer. So um, I found that by starting my nonprofit, I've actually started writing about my mom more, um, which is something I've just recently started doing. So that's been really great. So when when I saw it, saw your podcast, I was like, Oh my gosh, yes! I would love to share share my mom because I feel like writing writing so much about my grief and going through all of that it's kind of I feel like led me to a spot where I'm able to see such a big picture of how all of these pieces of my life have fit together to bring me here now, um, and a lot of a lot of that came through writing. So.
0: For sure. Yeah, I, I did an interview a while back with Mary Rogers, and she had talked about writing a letter to your mom. And that always kind of made sense more to me than journaling, just because, um, you know, I she was always one of the ones that would like write letters and update family members on what's going on. And so I kind of feel like I'm doing that to her. But then it's sometimes I do get like real with her and be like, real talk. I'm super sad right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that that writing is, is good for people. So hopefully, hopefully people do some of that. Um, Is there, are there any traditions that you still carry on or anything that you do to like show your kids, you know, here's what grandma was about or anything like that? Um, I think unknowingly
1: I carry on traditions um, just because I kind of recreate the memories that my mom did for me. Um, You know, like my mom was really, really into Christmas and she actually passed away just a few days before Christmas. So it kind of made Christmas hard for me for a while, but um, Christmas became fun again when I had kids. Um, so just the way that she would she would incorporate Santa and um, and the making of Christmas cookies. And it's not that I have to work hard to do those things because that's just what what we always did. So I don't have to actively think, oh, like this is going to be a memory of my mom. But I'll catch myself in the middle of just automatically doing them and think, oh gosh, like I used to do this with my mom, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom loved marshmallow peeps so something that is a little bit more forced on my part is um we buy marshmallow peeps at easter time and we all take a moment to like take our peep and we kind of cheers with our peeps
0: and toast (laughs) my mom and then eat our peeps (laughs) and that's hard for you no 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 (laughs) i love peeps Come on. but just
1: like it's something that i'm that i have to actively say okay like we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna acknowledge that my mom really loved peeps instead of just having be like, oh, we're gonna eat peeps, and having it just kind of pass through the motion of me just acknowledging it on the inside. Yeah. So, um, so I think there's just a lot of things in my day to day that I find that I I'm mimicking my mom in a lot of ways, and I think that's kind of how how um, I come to kind of honor her tra-
0: in in the traditions as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome, um, and I think you know it'll be something that your kids, you know, uh, subconsciously when they eat peeps, they'll be like, "This is grandma's thing," or you know, like, this <laughs> <laughs> is a way to keep her alive. So I think that's awesome.
1: Exactly. Who knew peeps had such strength? <laughs> right,
0: there's power in peeps. Uh, <laughs> now, I, l- I always like to ask this one, and some, you know, it's it can be kind of a funny question, but do you feel like she's ever visited you? I mean, in the last 17 years, do you feel like you felt her presence at all, or
1: So the really interesting thing is after I lost my mom, there was just this, this huge sense of it's done. It's over. There's no connection. Um, my mourning process, especially like the first month or two after she died, like I just, I grieved so hard. I cried so hard. I, um, I felt it big and I never really looked for, um, or never looked for that connection. I really, Never really looked at things around me and thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if that's a message for my mom. Like, I just didn't do that. And I don't know if that was part of my grieving process. I don't know if I decided, like, we're just going to rip the band aid off of this and we're not going to try to see if my mom is reaching out, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really interesting for me um, when I was going through my divorce, which, God, divorce is horrible. Um, it was like, just like really shook me to my core. And I had a really good friend who, who suggested that I go to a psychic.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: this friend even went so far as to like pay for me to go visit the psychic. And she said, you know what? I think, I think by seeing this person, she'll be able to tell you a lot about what you're going through and it will give you some hope to cling on to until you get through the worst part of this. So I've never actually been to a psychic. So I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, I was a little skeptic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I went and I hadn't told, I had told this woman nothing about me. Um, but she, um, as soon as I sat down and we started the session, she said, "Wow, there are so many people here with you." She's like, "I don't even know where to start because there's just so many spirits here that are with you and guiding you." Um, which kind of like, I kind of raised my eyebrows, like, "Yeah, whatever, lady." <laughs> right?
0: As anybody. <laughs> but aware. then,
1: yeah. But then she she said, "But there's one person in particular here." She's like, "She's a middle-aged woman." Um, she's like, she's like, I don't know, have you lost an older woman in your life? And I said, well, I lost my mom a really, really long time ago. And, and she said, well, yeah, she's telling me she's, she's your mom. Um, and still, I still at that time, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, I just told you that my mom died. So of course now all of a sudden it's my mom, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> so, um, so then she, um, she said, well, your mom is holding her arms up. Like she's, um, Like she's strong. She's holding her arms up and she's flexing her arms so so that she's showing you that the strong motion. She's saying that she's strong, and now she's pointing to you and she's saying that you are strong too. Mm -hmm. And that's something that really resonated with me because my mom always talked about how she and I were both come from strong stock. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then she said she's holding up a picture of an old timey guy with his singlet on, holding up his cheesy barbells with his handlebar mustache. And she's like, she's telling me, like, she really wants you to know that, that you're strong. I was like, okay, okay. And, but still, still, there was a little piece of, okay, well, I'm sure lots of people talk about how they're strong. Like, there was still that doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, And then earlier that morning, I had taken hot dogs out of my freezer for my girls so that I could defrost them because we like to make spaghetti octopus hot dogs where you put the uncooked spaghetti in the bottom of the hot dog and then you cook it and then when it's all cooked it looks like a octopus
0: with the tentacles oh yeah I've seen that on Pinterest it seems like a lot of work but kind of an unimportant detail
1: of the story but (laughs) my kids really love them (laughs) so I had just taken the hot dogs out of the freezer to defrost them that morning before I went to go see the psychic and then um I think it had been Halloween or something prior and my kids just had Halloween candy everywhere um and so I was kind of like hiding their Halloween candy in like jars and bowls in the cabinets. So that um, I kind of believe in this out of sight, out of mind. Like if I hide all their Halloween candy, they kind of forget about it and then they stop asking about it. Mm -hmm. So I was in essence, like hoarding their Halloween candy away. So they would forget to ask me about it. Um, more specifically, they just had a ton of M&Ms. So, um, I was like, well, maybe I I had this whole conversation in my mind. Like maybe I keep the M&Ms out because they're not as bad as like, maybe like Starburst. I was having this whole like philosophical debate about Halloween candy. <laughs> so ultimately I ended up throwing all the candy away and just saving all of the M&Ms. So the very next thing the psychic says to me when I'm meeting her, when I'm meeting with her after telling me that my mom's saying that I'm strong is that she says, well, your mom told me to tell you that about the hot dogs and the M&Ms because she really wants you to know that she's here. Whoa. And at that point I was like, all right, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> So ever since then, um, I've been really open to try to feel my mom. Um, the psychic told me that my mom comes to me as like little bree- breezes that might give me a chill. And so now I'm very much more aware that sometimes I'll just randomly like, like get a chill that kind of shakes my body. And um, I'll be much more aware if there's like a breeze in the room, even though there's no windows open or anything. And And so I've been trying to connect much more and be more open minded to the fact that that the spirit of my mom um, may be in fact trying to reach out much more often than I was initially being open to. So long story short, um, I'm trying to be more, I'm I'm trying to practice to be much more open at receiving um, connections from my mom energetically.
0: That's awesome. Yes. (laughs) I hope you do get little visits from her. (laughs) Thanks. I know know in my own experience, it always kind of, you know, gives me like a, a little connection. So I think that's, you know, it's nice to have those things. Yes. So I know that you said that right after, you know, you were, you were 21 when she passed away. And so that was kind of right at the age where women are starting to become friends with their moms. And so I know you said that immediately that was kind of sour for you. Like you felt bad that she didn't, that you guys didn't have that, you know, because of the age that she died when you were, Uh, Mm -hmm. but is there any, like, do you have any regrets or like anything that you just wish that you could say to her? Um,
1: that's a tough one because of course every day there's a hundred things I wish I could say to her. Mm -hmm. Um, we had, we had this really beautiful moment and I think that this happens when you don't lose someone abruptly. Um, when someone becomes ill and then slowly passes away, you have all of these opportunities to say what, what some people don't ever get the chance to say. You get to say goodbye. You get to say, I'm sorry. You get to say, I regret that you won't be here for dot, dot, dot. Um, so, I mean, even my mom's last night, she, we had hospice in the house and, um, and I was sleeping on the sofa next to the hospital bed that we'd put in the living room. And, um, that, that last night that I said goodnight to my mom, um, we just, we, we were talking, like, we'd been talking a lot the couple weeks leading up to that, just about everything. We talked about everything. Um, but in that last night, she gave me a hug and she, she gave me a kiss and she said, I love you so much you'll always be my baby girl. Oh,
0: here comes the tears. Um don't worry, it happens every interview. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I gave her a hug back and I said, "Yes, I will always be your baby girl." And then when she woke up later in the night, at that point, I think she was close to the end and she kind of sat up in bed. She didn't seem aware of what was going on. Um she just didn't seem like she was she didn't have all of her mental capacity there. Mm-hmm. Um so I really count that very last moment when It almost felt like a goodbye when we were saying goodnight. Um, That kind of really helped me not to feel like I had a lot of regrets or things left unsaid to her because I feel like in that moment that I was able to say, like at the end of the day, there was that, that deep, rich connection that um, will always be there. That almost felt like enough. That almost felt like saying more than anything else I could have said. Um, There's definitely things that I wish I could say to her now that I'm a mom. Um, -hmm. There's definitely things that I've learned about her since she's passed away, things she never shared with me about really unhealthy dynamics she experienced growing up Mm -hmm. that now that I've learned that about her, I understand her so much better. I understand some of the choices she made about me so much better. Um, And then again, as a mother myself, um, there's there's definitely times I wish I could just reach out and say, mom, I understand now. Um, I'm sorry I was upset about that or, um, but it's not in a way, it's not in a way that it haunts me. Mm-hmm. Um, That's way, I've, I understand that, um, the universe is in charge and we're all just along for the ride. And, and, um, at the end of the day, we just, we do the best that we can with what we're given. So, um, so I, I really try not to live with regrets, but there's definitely things that, um, that I wish we could maybe more that I wish we could have conversations about it. Not um, sure. now that I'm definitely in a much different place than I was then.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, that's kind of a general running theme, actually. When when I'm talking to to women, I find that, you know, they they discovered things about their moms, you know, that kind of made them understand more about them before they, you know, the person, the type of person that they were before they passed away. So that's a Mm -hmm. cool thing that, too. Um, I'm sure that she would be so proud of you for Little Legacies, Aw, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it seems like a really amazing organization. So I want to just give you a chance, maybe tell us a little bit about LittleLegacies.org and you know what your mission is. And
1: sure. So um, there are a lot of really amazing organizations out there for kids who are struggling with illness and pedi- We work with children with all with all kinds of of mental, um, not mental, but uh, medical conditions. But um, there just seems to be a very overwhelming exposure to pediatric cancer um there's just hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits that are being started in support of children with pediatric pediatric cancer and that's kind of what first got my attention and then i started to realize that um little legacies could really help children with all kinds of of illnesses um so basically what we do is um we do one-on-one writing mentoring with uh children who are experiencing um uh life-altering condition like I mentioned earlier maybe something like diabetes that isn't really considered quote-unquote such a big deal but is really um totally changing the lives of these children and something that they're gonna have to deal with the rest of their lives and um and and then there's more severe cases where the kids are really really fighting hard for their lives every single day and there's all these really great organizations for um camps and art and dance and all of these activities to really help them. And there's amazing life, child life specialists that are really helping these kids, but sometimes kids don't really feel well enough to do much more than maybe just sitting in their bed and having that quiet time to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working with one-on-one mentoring, helping these children, right? Um, our, our exercises are all child-led, so we're not asking really pointing questions or really trying to fish information out of them. And And oftentimes, especially the older the children get, they're not actually sharing with us what they're writing about. Mm -hmm. Um, The writing actually becomes, in a lot of cases, very personal for them as they open up to this idea of the page being this place where they can share a lot more things. Um, But something about writing something down on paper and putting your words on paper, um, is so much more releasing than than one might think before they've actually tried it. in the cases where a child illness is terminal, and both the child and, oftentimes even more important, the family, when they are okay with, um, with their their child's journey coming to an end, and they feel like they're, everybody's comfortable with doing, so I can actually sit one on one with the children and help them write um, legacy letters, which is often sometimes what adults will do when their lifeline is coming to an end or. Um, when they're going through big changes and they want to leave letters to their children or to their spouses or friends. Um, I feel like children have such an amazing capacity to understand this life so much more than we give them credit for. Uh, and so by sitting with a child whose, whose lifeline is is shortened considerably and coming to an end, I can sit with them and help them write their legacy letters, um, things that they've learned. Um, sometimes the, the truth that these kids see are so much more clear than we see as adults with all of our multiple filters on our, on our eyes. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's just a really, it's really a gift to me to, to be able to, um, offer this to children and, and, um, feel like I'm trusted and, and trusted with what they have to think and say and what they're going through to, to help them then take their own messages and, and pass that on.
0: Oh, for sure. That's, that's, Amazing. I can't think of any other (laughs) word to describe. It It gives me chills to to hear you talk about it because I mean, that's, that's important. You know, they, like you said, they need to know that they're heard and that their voice is important. So yes, I think that's phenomenal. So is this a geographic thing? Like how, if people wanted to, you know, look into your program or get in touch with you, how would they do that?
1: Uh, Well, so I'm, I can work one-on-one with children in person, in both Colorado and in Iowa, where I spend a considerable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the beauty of the internet, mm-hmm. um, we actually do Google chat with uh, with some children um, and also Skype. So, I mean, the sky is really the limit. I'm not bilingual. So that's about the biggest hindrance is like, I just can't typically work with someone who doesn't speak English. Mm-hmm. But um But um, as we continue to take on more and more mentors, I don't think any of our mentors are actually bilingual at this point, but, um, but I'm sure that's something that might be coming in the future.
0: Oh, for sure. Okay. So (laughs) if people, you know, they've, they've got somebody, they've got a child or they know somebody, they can look you up at littlelegacies.org, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Super. And I'm sure that all the contact information and everything like that is on there as well. It is. It is. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Leah, I super enjoyed hearing about Sandy today. Um, she sounded, she sounds like she was a phenomenal woman who gave you all kinds of, you know, great, you know, just an awesome way to live your life and great inspiration. So I really appreciate you sharing with us today.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to kind of celebrate her through talking about her. Cause I don't get to do that very often. So, um, it's actually been a really, a really enjoyable experience and it's kind of like elevated me and made me feel really excited to share her. So
0: oh, thank you. Good. Well, I'm, I'm, really glad <laughs> and I'm happy that you shared her with us. And so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll put some like different pictures and cool things like that in the show notes. If we've got any, and that way people kind of t- can kind of see your story. And again, this is Leah from littlelegacies.org. And I super appreciate having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the pearls from my mom podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with Leah, and I do hope you go check out her amazing work at littlelegacies.org. She's doing incredible things for those children and their families. As always, if you enjoyed our episode today, there are many ways to support our podcast. You can hit subscribe, share with your friends, and leave that five-star review. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can head on over to our Patreon page and pledge a couple dollars to get some great rewards. Our first ever Patreon-exclusive episode is coming soon with Judy Garland and her pearls of wisdom for Les Minnelli. For questions, comments, suggestions, or if you'd like to tell your own story, my email is share at pearlsfrommymom.com. My name's Jessie. I'm your host. And until next time, keep on sharing to keep the legacy alive.